Welcome to On the Couch with Caroline, where we'll be finding out what makes people do the impossible. Please enjoy the episode. Hi, welcome to Caroline On the Couch with the fabulous Christine Enville on our first, first ever episode. So thank you for coming, Christine. Um, I would just like to do a, read a little bit about you just to give a little intro for people. So, Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me. It's, it's actually a real honour to be on the first yes. ever, Carolyn on the couch. So I'm definitely honoured to be here and excited about the questions as well yeah. that you have yeah, It's going to be a little because... bit of fun. Yeah, so it's more like, you know, for me, it's about getting to know people. I love to know all those little intricate little details, unique little quirky things that people have. Um, and I think that's really important, especially in the world of social media, because we often have our like good stuff out there as well. Um, so I'm going to put my glasses on because as we get old, we sometimes need glasses. So Christine is a renowned educator, creator and world champion athlete. She grew up in a dynamic farm in the 70s in small central Victorian town the second child of educated, poor, scientist-turned-farmer parents. I'm interested already. Always adventurous, at age 16, Christine spent a year in Brazil as a Rotary Exchange student before returning to Australia to study a Bachelor of Science in Food Science and Nutrition. This degree, combined with Christine's passion for food and her scientific curiosity, passed on from her upbringing. During this same time, Christine discovered weight training as a way of controlling her anorexia, a condition she suffered as a teenager. Her weight training hobby soon led her to competitive sport of bodybuilding. In four short years, competing at 23, Christine became known as Australia's most muscular woman and by 29 had won three overall world titles and become a professional bodybuilder in the prestigious IFBB competing at the Miss Olympia. That is just phenomenal. Christine's passion has always remained with food and nutrition and by utilising her formal education, food science and her practical experience gleaned from years as an elite athlete, she began developing sports supplements for Australian brands before launching her own brand, International Protein, with business partner Troy Bremer in 2001. International Protein is now Australia's leading brand, sold in more than 10 major markets around the world, including India, Brazil, Asia and Europe. Christine has retired from competitive bodybuilding, although as you can see, as you'll see and get to know Christine, you wouldn't think she has because she would put most of us to shame still. Uh, her passion for health and fitness remains, choosing to dedicate her boundless energy to developing programs and products to help maintain health and vitality into your 40s, 50s and beyond. So, wow, Christine, you have had an incredible life. Um, so... When someone says to you and asks, because I, you know, I've explained that, but to you, who is Christine Enville? Oh, that that's a really tough question, actually, because I don't know who I am yet. I mean, I'm a I'm a small town girl, but I've been all over the place and done all these things. 
but I still have so much more to do. So I, I wear a lot of different hats and, and I think to try to define and, and put me into one little thing is, is difficult because I am the athlete or former athlete, I, but I still kind of think like an athlete. I'm the business person because I have multiple businesses. Um, I'm the educator because I always like to teach and and I, I learn by teaching. So I'm always, you know, looking for new things to teach people and I like to kind of spread that word. I don't like to really force it down people's throats and that is actually something I find challenging when you feel like you, you need to get the message across but at the same time I'm a very sort of touch gently kind of person and, and I'm having to step out of that to actually, you know, have more of an impact. So as I said, I'm many, many things, and it depends on what day you catch me, I guess, whether I'm wearing the hat as the educator or the hat as the creator, because I still love to get in and develop products. Um, and, and then also, you know, the athlete where I'm getting up and still doing my training, you know, my weight training is still number one. I do a lot of other activities, but weight training is still, you know, my love. I fell in, fell in love with weight training at 15 uh, and you know as you said this led to that it led to competitions I don't ever want to compete again but I definitely just think it was always something I did for my lifestyle something I did for my health and to feel better and to look better so that is going to continue on until I you know until I die yeah awesome well what do you yeah. think because I know for me like you know running's probably I mean I do a lot of different things exercise wise but running's like my go-to what is it about weight training that has just like got you in at 15 and still just has you there now? Okay, it's it's so many things. It's it's number one, controlling how you look. So I looked at, you know, obviously I had dieted a lot um, through the years of being anorexic. I had done aerobics. I had done a lot like cardio style sport, sport activity. But weight training is the one thing where you can actually shape, form and mould your body. You know, you can firm your muscle up, you can build your muscle. People say you can't spot reduce, but you can definitely train to not build, but still tighten a muscle. So there's a lot of different techniques that you can use to really create the look that you want and give the look that you want. So you're so far in control of, of your body. And that, you know, part of me is obviously I like to control certain things, um, but myself is one of them. Um, the other thing about weight training is it's a form of meditation. So the mind muscle connection and being just totally inside of your muscle as it works, feeling at work, visualizing that and really focusing in on that for, you know, sometimes a set might last up to a minute. So you're really like intensely focused, shutting everything else out. So it's a real um, soothing and relaxing form of um, activity as well. So it, it's that, it's the controlling how I look, uh, feeling like I'm doing something positive for myself, feeling stronger. Uh, there is nothing like, having to take you know do, get all that shopping and just take it in in one go you don't have to like go back and forth go back and forth you just pick up all those bags just carrying in so I like the strength I do like the strength and I, I totally relate to that because before I started doing weight training when I, I um, got my gym you know and I, I did a lot of cardio and I was fit and all that sort of stuff but like I'll never forget like about six months in after doing starting like regular consistent weight training I used to do get my son have to get my son's paddleboard from the surf club, you know, and put it up on the top of the roof. Of, you know, I had a Jeep Wrangler, so and I'm short, so it wasn't an easy task. And I remember one day, and I was in a hurry, just going in, grabbing it, and then just going, oh, and then going, oh my god, that was so easy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and um, so yeah, I totally can relate to that. Just as and that, you know, that 
feeling strong, having yeah. that just to do things. Because it, li- it links in with confidence as well. Because if you can, you can do things and are capable of doing things. And you know, sometimes it's nice to be helped, of course. But if you can do things without having to ask for help, you feel so much more accomplished and capable. So, yeah, it it it, br- it brings a lot of things. And then, of course, there's the social aspect of it. Um, it's a, it's a different community. It's a language. People who weight train relate to each other in a different way because they understand the same things. You know, you laugh about the same things and see the same things. So it's it's so much more than um than than just a a hobby or a, you know a professional hobby that it was for a period of time um so when you were little and it sounds like you had a very fascinating upbringing and some very fascinating parents um so what did you want to be though when you were little oh, it depends how old i was my my first thing i wanted to be a nurse yep. because i had this my my father's auntie so she was our great auntie but we used to just call her auntie she was she had been a nurse and she had actually quite a fascinating she was my I guess my role model as an early child because she had back in the old days when you women obviously didn't really have babies out of wedlock going back that far they go they would go to a special hospital to have the children and then the children would get adopted out and my aunt was in charge of the adoptions. So she was not married herself, never had any children, but you would go at Christmas and her house would be full of Christmas cards. And, it would, and I'd be, we would all like, who are they from, Auntie Grace? She'd ask, she's from my children. And we'd be like, but you don't have any children. And she'd be like, oh, I have hundreds of children. Because back in those days, she kept all the records of all the children that were adopted out. And, it, and as they turned 18, they would come to her to try to find their real parents. Oh, that's uh, yeah, so she so she was a to me a very strong, independent woman. Lived on her own up until she did die in her late eighties, and she, so she had been a nurse. So at that point in time, I was gung ho. I wanted to be a nurse until I figured out that I kind of faint at the sight of blood and don't do very well. Me too. <laughs> around those things, but um, but yeah, I, I definitely had a a different upbringing because as I said I grew up on a farm and it was a biodynamic farm which back in the you know 70s people weren't worried about organic let alone biodynamic which is a kind of a whole step above organic and my parents had been totally, highly totally hippie back then to, to, actually yes as in my, my my parents hung out with hippies yep <laughs> we had a friend who had a, a mud brick house out in the bush with no electricity yep so, and, and again, these are people that would come and work on the farm and pick the vegetables and, you know, hang out. And, you know, they, they were all the adults that were around me when I was growing up. But yeah, my parents both, you know, my father has a master's degree. My mum's um, got a degree in physics, but here they were running a farm. My mum chopping wood, you know, cutting, driving a tractor, um, sorting vegetables. And, you know, my father then went on to become an agronomist, which is basically a nutritionalist for plants, Wow. which which is quite interesting because he would know what micronutrients you needed to put into to make a sweet a sweet corn grow versus a zucchini. So that's a whole other thing, which I'm not really interested in plants other than the nutritional properties of them. But it's just interesting because he didn't, he took that on later in life and developed his own methods for how to test for those kind of things. So, I, so um, you know, I was on a farm, but then it was the business was transitioning into him actually going off and, testing products for other people and telling them how to uh, improve the nutrition of their plants to grow more and get more plants and and that was where you know he he ended up in 
with his um, business and his life. So I, I you know, worked with him as a teenager. That I didn't work at McDonald's. Like yeah. my, my job was doing the chemical tests. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so true though, isn't it? Like as it relates to humans, isn't it? It's like what we put in, we, we get, we are a product of what we put in, you know? A hundred percent. Right down to the basic biological of the food we put in. It's as good as how it's grown. Exactly. So that's the thing. And, and that's something which you know, relates to my industry now with protein and, and grass fed. And I know we're kind of going quite off track here, but people assume that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but protein, people assume, oh, okay, protein's protein. But depending on what the cow got fed, and this is why the grass fed is so important, is because if you're feeding the cow um, certain, you know, certain type of pasture, or, or dry pasture, they're not getting the same nutrients that they are out of the fresh grass, and therefore that transfers into the milk, which transfers into you know the raw material that we use, which is the whey protein, um, and then obviously the casein. But um, it's it's not all that not all equivalent, and obviously, you know, we we look for the product which is grass fed and obviously has better nutrition within the actual product that you're taking. So you can't just kind of look at things on face value and say, oh well, it's protein. Yes, it has the amino acid sequence, but even that changes like it's not like okay that is always exactly what it is for that product it, again the, the cow's feed changes that so it's um it's it's interesting um for me yeah sometimes people just want to take their protein shake don't want to know about that but they do uh that some people do want to know and understand that where it's coming from and i think has an impact and what you do and i think i think there's a bigger push towards like knowing you know there's a bigger push towards, you know, have, living in a society where, you know, it's harder to get raw products, you know, yeah. and a lot of things are processed. And that's, you know, and part of that is just a change in society. But knowing then where that product comes from becomes more important. Yeah, but, but that was the thing. Growing up back in the day, in the 70s, whilst the hippie movement was there, the, the need, like people just assumed everything was good. So to try to go and sell a, a product that was biodynamic, it was just people didn't want to pay a premium for it. So I just, I remember my parents putting in a lot of hard work and not being able to get any premium, uh, unlike now where obviously you know, for an organic product, you'll, you know, you'll pay a hell of a lot more because there's a lot more goes into it. So, yeah. It's... Except for my pet hate where all the organic stuff in the supermarkets wrapped in plastic. I, I'm still trying to work that one out. <laughs> I do go to the markets, but I just like, it's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yes, it may be good, maybe not good. Um, don't, yeah, they've the, the, got to breathe. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think so far has been your greatest challenge in life? It's, that's, that's another really, really tough one because once I've, gotten through something I no longer see it as a challenge so then I say so I, so I basically convince myself that everything's actually been really really easy even though it's obviously not um, for example I guess when I was competing um, before I turned professional to actually get my pro card was probably one of the biggest challenges that I had and people probably now couldn't relate to that because there's a system in place where if you do a certain competition in Australia you automatically get a pro card out of that. But back when I was competing, they didn't have that system for females. So you can, and they had brought it in for the men uh, probably about six years prior. So 
when I first started competing, there was literally no real avenue to turn professional like you competed. And I got to a point where I was getting called Australia's most muscular woman and being told I couldn't compete amateur anymore because I was, it was kind of like, well, you're outside of the standard. And I'll be like, but I want to go professional, oh, but you can't do that. And I was kind of stuck. So I ended up changing direction um, and competing with a different federation, which is where I won my world championships to kind of elevate, elevate and get myself out there. But then it was a, it was a really, really long process. And it was just being, I guess, creating, um, creating my, 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 I guess my popularity or my notoriety in the sport to the point where they, they, they had to give me the pro car, but there was no actual mechanism. So it was kind of working in the background um, it, it meant taking a risk and, and also, you know, sitting out a competition that I really wanted to do, but that was the, the way off to be able to get the, the pro card. So that was a, a massive challenge because you're looking at a situation where you've got people who didn't really have any, like, you know, they were happy just having athletes in Australia, you know, telling me that I wouldn't be successful overseas. So there was really no point in going overseas, just, you know, hang out here, but you can't really compete over here. But then, you know, making them create a mechanism to actually be able to give me that pro card, and and that, um, and then it was, you know, many many years later that they now have a proper system where you win a um, a particular show and you can get that. But it wasn't available to me at that time. But I was pretty much determined that I was going to get that. <laughs> and um, what, what do you think was your like driving force behind that determination? Um, that I had set my mind to it as in and but well actually I have to say it was probably also a lot to do with my um my my business partner who at, at the time was my husband and he I guess had that belief in me as well and and again a lot of things I do I'm very very cruisy about it like oh yeah if I do it it's great if I don't do it but then he said to me look you can you are the same standard as these women you can compete against them and it was only after I actually did get the car that I realized that I had wanted it. So I think deep, like subconsciously, I had really, really wanted it, but I wasn't kind of acknowledging that. Um, I think I've just lost your video. Sorry, yeah, someone has just tried to call me. <laughs> An unknown caller ID has tried to call me. <laughs> I think I was meant to have it on airplane mode. So I think it was really that. Um, I'm a very curious person, and also when someone says that you absolutely can't do it because everyone before you hasn't done it or it's not you know there's all these reasons why not I kind of need to find out for myself now sometimes that's not always the best thing because you might get in not in trouble but you could you know you can waste a lot of energy sometimes but at the same time you do need to find out for yourself you know and that's part of the experience and if I you know obviously I did go over there and I discovered that a lot of what they were saying around the politics was absolutely true and that it, that itself was something that I had to deal with and learn how to um, learn how to reconcile that because it did mess me up um, from a mental standpoint when you're sudden, when you are coming out of amateurs where best body wins and then you go over you do hit politics where it's like oh no but this person's done this show and this person's trained by that person and and all of that and having to learn how to nav navigate that navigate a whole bunch of new politics so in the one hand yes they were correct it wasn't just going to be walk in the park walk through um, but at the same time I, I felt that I had the right to find that out for myself and then find my way of navigating that as well so yeah, um, obviously you were very successful at that how did it feel when you won your first world champion relief <laughs> it was absolute relief because there's a there's another story around that as well because 
the, the thing with bodybuilding, it's subjective, right? So somehow a lot of the audience seems to be able to tell who's going to be the winner, but the judges struggle with it a little bit, obviously, because there's other things at play, much like anything, you know, even talking about the situation of Queensland being in a lockdown and, and the politics behind it. So it's the same, same thing in bodybuilding. There's other stuff going on behind the scenes. And I had um, obviously, you know, in, in um, the, the, the Federation, they had height classes so as like tall and short. And I was a, a shorter person, but when in the, the Australian title, they had basically kind of wrapped the two divisions together so I'd won the short class, but the another person had won the overall. So, you know, so she won the free trip. So I had to basically, you know, beg my sponsors and my mother to loan me money to go over and do this world championship. And that, again, I believe that I could do it. Like it was um, just this blind belief that I would be competitive over there. So I went over and I won my division, my, my high class, and I ended up going up against the other Australian lady for the overall title. Yeah. And it's actually a very, very interesting story because we're both Australian and we're both, we've done the, the judging for the overall. So you win your, your class and you can go into winning the overall. And then um, we stood next to each other and they literally pointed between us and said, the Australians won. <laughs> and, and I'm like, well, which Australian? But she's straight away like, well, it's got to be me. And she's like headed off, striking poses and going nuts. And then I hear this voice going, no. No, the other Australian. And it was like, oh, my. So, <laughs> so I was kind of like, it was, I was vindicated. I mean, I'd been relieved when I'd won my height class because yeah. obviously it was like, okay, yeah, I, I hadn't just borrowed money off all these people for, um, for no reason. Like it was justified. I pretty much walked in, you know, first time over there, beating the girl who was favourite. And obviously, you know, when they called her name in second and I, my name still hadn't been called, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's actually happened. I, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm justified. Um, but the other one was more, it was just funny because I felt bad for her because she made that assumption and I'd kind of hung back and then, of course, you know, presented the trophy. So that, um, that was... Like the, um was it the Miss, Miss Universe competition where they, where they, the winner had her crown taken off her? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'd rather be the one that they hand it to rightfully yeah. Yeah, yeah. than the one who has it kind of snatched back yeah. off. So, but yeah, when, when you, anything like that where there's a lot riding on it because, you know, at that point there, um, it's almost like you know that you've been validated in terms of what you believe and that other people are seeing the same thing that you see in yourself. So, it wouldn't have stopped me training or anything like that if I hadn't have won. But the fact that, um, you know, the people from overseas were seeing me, so it wasn't just people from Australia, it was people from all over the world, different countries, um, you know, saying, shoot, you know, you've got really good genetics for this. And, and, um, and of course, the whole thing of why aren't you pro? What are you doing over here? And then having to explain, don't really have a way of turning pro, it's Australia. And then they're like, oh, yeah, that's right, Australia. Um, yeah, and again, there's a whole lot of politics in bodybuilding. I mean, it's in every sport. It's I think I know I hear it in like lots of different sports. You know, whether it's surf, lifesaving, triathlon. You know, boxing, cycling. It's like look at all. You know, over the years, the old favourites that have got a position to come back when all the you know these young upcomers aren't given the same opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, I mean, you can't, you can't get upset by it. You just have to learn to navigate it, like yeah. understand it, don't block it out and then figure out how can I actually make this work for me rather than 
um, you know, spending a lot of energy kind of butting out. You have to look at ways of going around. I, I'm not really big into playing it, um, you know, if it means kind of like if, if it's something which I, is, I find um, unappealing, like, you know, if to like buy a present for somebody or something that doesn't really deserve it because then that's a bit like icky. Um, and, and people will do that. But if, it, but if it's just like, um, you know, finding a more legitimate way and, and we used to always have this saying, like, let's take away all the plausible excuses. And what that meant was let's get rid of every possible flaw that you can in your build, like what you've developed, how you pose, how you tan, how your costume is, like everything so that when you're on stage, they can't use something as an excuse. And then the audience looks and sees and says, oh, my God, that looks great. So that, that was pretty much the approach that we took. I think that's it, isn't it? Sometimes in life, and I know like I've been in situations where you just go, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do to get things done, but as long as you keep it within your ethical framework. A hundred percent, yeah. And and there's always, you know, different ways, even if someone's doing something unethically, I always find there's still another way to do a similar thing, but do it ethically. That's right, because you you have to live with it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what... You know, sadly, a lot of people forget in life that, you know, if you cross those boundaries with yourself, you know, you're always going to take that with you. Yeah. And I think that's the thing where always, you know, that was a, you know, I'm in my early, say, you know, early to mid 20s at that point and then um, retired, came back, you know, late 30s into 40s. I always have the, the thought there's more ahead. So you have to, you can't, you know, burn a bridge or, make something break something to the point or break yourself to the point where something's going to kind of come back and um block you from something in the future so it's I guess it's a chess game you know to use that it's a bit of a cliche to use that analogy but in chess obviously when you're playing you're not you don't just think about the move that's in front of you you're thinking about the long-term strategy and that's whether it's business or anything you always got to be thinking like that's today but what about in two years time five years five years time ten years time is that, is that going to come back and bite me on the ass? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think there's a lot of our politicians out there thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um, or sporting stars who've done, you know, a lot of things in their history that has eventually come out. So who would you say has been the greatest influence in your life? Again, that's a, uh, it's at different points, I suppose. It's the people closest to you at the point in, of time. Um, that had that influence so obviously you know when I was a small child as I said my you know my great auntie Grace was a big influence and probably when I look at um, things historically she still is because you know as I said she was a very strong independent woman um, you know little you know did so many act things she always like she played the organ at the local church like right up until she died not saying I'm going to be doing that kind of thing but never say never never. And I'm at, yeah, that, that, that skipped a generation, the, the ability to play a piano or an organ or anything like that. But, but yes, but just basically the way that she was always involved in her community and she was, she was kind of like the linchpin of the family as well. So, you know, she, because she had no kids, you know, everyone would congregate at her place, like book, you know, like booking for holidays at, at Auntie Grace's place. And she'd, you know, she'd get it out and go, oh, no, your cousin so-and-so is going to be here then. But you're going to have that week. So... <laughs> Maybe when I'm like older, all my nieces and nephews will come and and hang out because I've got like twelve of the twelve nieces and nephews. Wow. So, so there's things that have been influenced through that. Obviously, I've done very very different things, um, but just that whole 
thought of just you know how, how she kind of went through her life um again um you know my business partner is an influence from the point of view of where the business has gone and and how that all interacts together and obviously at a a point around you know my my career but I, it's more like my very close friends who uh, I have one who kind of got me right into looking at more professional development self-development and really starting to learn what I want who I am what I want to do um, more so than just kind of cruising through life and that's what I would say I was so oblivious because I was always hell-bent on a training goal or, or some other got kind of goal and things would just kind of happen but they weren't necessarily things that I was planning but I because I didn't have a I was so easygoing about stuff it would be like oh well that's just what I deal with and then I deal with that so it's it's probably having people around who kind of um encourage you to actually do the things that you really really love and also um to continue to learn and grow yourself rather than kind of getting into you know a point where you're just going through the motions even though it might be quite a great a great position to be in you know good business and and just kind of going through that but actually stepping up and saying no there's still another 30 years to go um you can't just sit here you got to keep on you got to keep on progressing so yeah I'll, I'll, they'll remain nameless but I've got some really good people around me yeah that, and I think, um, um, yeah I, and I know for me like same I've got some friends who like you know and they'll call it as they see it you know um and and put you on the straight and narrow and I think that they're you know for me family friends who really build who I am from the inside yeah and that and that's I mean I feel very lucky to have people like that because it, you know that there might not be a huge number of them but you know that the ones that are there are yeah they're more they know they know you and yeah they know what you're capable of and when you're kind of being I think you, when you say lucky but I think you attract that person actually that, that is true that is true yeah that, what you um what you put out yes. um I guess one of my things is I do tend to kind of be um like I do downplay a lot of things so um but yeah I have noticed that again the more uh that I'm kind of growing the the, the different type of people that I am like yourself yeah. um yeah, I, I get that one totally <laughs> totally um yeah it's definitely I have way less dramas in my life <laughs> 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 I go, oh if I don't like in my head create dramas they don't all come toward me who would have ever thought that <laughs> <laughs> so if you could change anything about the world right now what would it be oh right now right now there would not be COVID yeah okay cool <laughs> <laughs> that that was that was probably very easy because obviously my life before COVID was very much back and forth between the you know United States and here my partners over there so it, it it was it was a different life because it it literally you know is split across the two countries but I didn't realize how much I had actually taken for granted the fact that I could just jump on a plane be over there even if it was for two weeks three weeks come back do what I needed to do here because I I like you know being in the business but you know I like being over there so that that obviously has been a massive um change to my lifestyle um to be in you know literally almost like the one place for so long um so that of course is what I would change I, I but what I but in the now that a fact that it's here it's just like 
um, it would be great if it could just, you know, feel like there was something to move forward from, whereas it, it's kind of like, it feels like it's in a bit of a holding pattern. We, we feel like it's progressing and then it kind of flips right back again and, yeah. and um, yeah, right really, at the end of the tunnel. But I um, really relate to that one. It's like, yeah, I think that's, and I think I just did a um, newsletter today and it was just all about like living with the uncertainty is that, you know, and how do you let that go? Because it's probably, and I think for a lot of people, you know, who are stressed or around mental health, it's not so much the actual situation they're in. It's that constant not really knowing what's around the corner because we do seem to get so many mixed messages and so many different mm. calls. And like I said, at the moment, I don't even know. I've got to get passes to get in my house, passes to get out my house. <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do this side of the fence and what I'm allowed to do the other side of the fence. And it's just, yeah, it, it's this crazy, uncertain future at, at the moment. And it would be nice to have someone stand up and say, okay, this is what we're planning. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, and then and just do it. So that, yeah. that would be what I would change. But at the same time, it has been a great opportunity to consolidate and get things going and to kind of really focus on, on a few things that um, obviously going to come to or are coming to fruition, obviously middle-aged muscle um, movement has started during that time uh, because I have you know had time I guess you know where I've been able to put into doing that and developing that and, and that will obviously continue um, you know my partner's hugely supportive of that uh, but it's again you know the ultimate thing was wanting to kind of bring it together in a gym over in the states and um, you know running the seminars and training groups out of there so that was kind of the idea had been there from beforehand uh, and, and obviously, you know, very much in the future and some of the things we're looking at were doing, you know, travel things where people would go for a weekend and have the full experience of the training and the nutrition and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, what inspired you for that? I'm going to like throw two questions here because I'll probably come together. What inspired you for that? And what do you want your outcome and legacy from middle-aged muscle to be? Okay, so obviously what inspired me was as I came through and got into middle age mm -hmm. and uh, found certain things changed, obviously, you know, metabolism, like speaking to different women at the gym, it seemed like either in your late 30s or, or early 40s, there was kind of like a fairly major shift in how your body handled food and how it needed to train even, you know, from competing as a, you know, in my early 30s, retiring there, coming back in my late 30s, I noticed there were different things around how I could train. So it was in seeing firsthand that thing, you couldn't just do what you did when you were 20 and expect to get that same result. That was, that was one thing. Um, so I kind of started to think about the impact of, of you know, which, what, what needs to change? How do we move forward? But then on the other hand, I kind of noticed where, it was an age where people who weren't training and people who were training, there was kind of like a divergence was happening where you could be very, very unhealthy quite easily, uh, having heart attacks, having major health issues in the early 40s even, whereas people who were training weren't having those issues. And there's so much research around about the impact and the benefit of weight mm -hmm. training and following a correct diet. But it's like the more you get, into your older age, middle age and older age, doing nothing versus doing something makes you further and further apart, but it's reversible. And I think the fact that it was reversible was like, well, hang on, how come everyone isn't doing this? 
and that's what I mean. I was never the person to tell someone to go train if they didn't train because it's like, well, that's your choice. This is my choice. But now it's kind of like, well, do you realize that you're actually hurting yourself by not doing this? Because it's neglect. It's like you wouldn't not feed or walk your dog. You wouldn't not get your car serviced. So why are you just letting yourself kind of to chance? It's amazing. Like, you know, obviously in the same industry, like it's amazing how many people put their physical health as a last priority. And I even say that about like, you know, health insurance. I go, yeah, insurance of any kind sucks, right? <laughs> but on the bright side, if you're paying it and you don't have to use it, it's sort of a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I yes. go, like, if you insure your house and you insure your car, why would you not insure your health? Yeah, because like, because that's the one thing yeah. that it's like, and that's me, everything in you, you know your quality of life and and you know going back to I guess the last question about what would I change and taking things for granted your health that thing like the, the fact that you can get up and do the things that you want to do and maybe you know people don't push themselves outside of what they do and that's where they don't realize maybe that they've slipped into a degree of of poor health until something happens or they have to do something or they get called outside of their normal and then they, and it's a bit of a wake up call. So I think it's that thing where if you kind of slip into a sedentary type life, you don't always realize where you're at until a result comes back wrong. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, like, where did this come from? And that's, I think that's a big catalyst for a lot of people to get in and, and start changing their lifestyle. But I'd like to get people before that. Yeah. You know, like, does it, why does it have to be a catastrophe or a major kind of thing to happen um, to want to actually do something about it and it, you know obviously I pushed the weight training side of it because the because of all those benefits that I said the strength um, you know the, the the mental aspect you know mental kind of um, calming down um, obviously it burns calories you know the more muscle mass that you carry the, your metabolism stays where it should be so it's all those benefits to it to help you you know stay in shape and then there's also the you know it, it does improve your um you know, your blood sugar control and, and the other, you know, the metabolic diseases, not just diet that helps with those. So that that's um, that's what inspired, and I forgot the other part of the question, and I'm not sure if I answered it. Oh, so did I, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> but I get, I get that totally. Like I said, you know, for me, a big shift in my health has been my weight training component and whether that, you know, I don't do a massive amount, but I do enough that it benefits my running, it benefits my metabolism, um, it benefits my just general overall health and strength to do the things I need to do that's I mean and it's I think you know it's not um you know people I think sometimes you know people think of like big sweaty men pushing you know huge weights around and stuff like that and you know it's it's the other thing about weight training is it's like you do it at your level like the programs that you can use yeah they aren't there isn't like a one-size-fits-all program so everything's tailor-made to what people want to do and and obviously with all of the equipment you can be doing the lightest weight and you're progressing up to things it's not kind of like going in there to give yourself a hernia or anything like that so it's not necessarily what people think of and people uh they don't stare at you at the gym like that's that's another thing where people are probably like self-conscious but not realizing that every person in the gym is actually kind of looking at themselves and yeah. not actually well, really I always, I always say that to my clients I say I said like seriously like no one's looking at you because they're all too busy looking at themselves yeah looking at themselves or wanting to you know if their confidence is not they're wanting to like 
make sure yeah. no one's looking. So yeah, one yeah, of them, but, one of the other, yeah, exactly. But we're all in there because we want to make a, you know, we want to make those changes to our bodies and that. Yeah. So it's, and that's, I mean, the, the gym was always a great leveler. Um, you know, you go in there, you might have a, uh, like actually when I was early training, um, the guys, there were famous um, skateboarders who had globe clothing company globe shoe company and they used to come and train at the same gym and they'd be asked and there'd be like a whole bunch of Vietnamese guys from up in North Richmond and just you know working class rich everything and everyone's like on the level playing field when they get in the gym and just because you don't really know who anyone is until you get to know them but everyone's just in there and you know big powerlifter dudes and you know obviously back in those days not so many women doing it but still you know women were you know doing a bit of aerobics and stuff so yeah, it's, it's a, it too. And then there's, you know, there's so many gyms to choose from now too. So it's not like, yeah. like so if one does feel a bit uncomfortable, there's always another type of gym to go to. Exactly, like, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So what makes Christine laugh? <laughs> Funny things. Funny things. <laughs> it, um, how do I describe? I, I often am making kind of like little sarcastic or humorous or wit, like wit really good wit makes me laugh people who can like use language to really maybe play on words yeah. um but even just you know goofy goofy things um it, it's uh, uh, yeah a lot of things may even and a few things on gym fail nation make me laugh i shouldn't but yeah but you do <laughs> i know yeah, we, yeah, we have I'm, I'm getting because like I'm going, I'm not buying into like stressing about anything with all this happening. I go, I'm just like getting all my news from the shovel. The, sh <laughs> the shovel newspaper comedy thing, it's satire. <laughs> and it's like has news headlines every day. And they're like totally politically incorrect, offensive. And I just go, yep, that's just made my day. Excellent. <laughs> <I can't respond." laughs> and it pretty much the, it's one of those ones where it's like, hmm, when, you know, it is actually happening, even though it's satire. I go, oh, it's, that's, but it's happening. <laughs> that's, well, well, I suppose that was a thing. Um, we, you'll remember this probably because of because of the age, but the goodies. Oh yeah, um, oh, goody, goody, yum, yum. Yeah, we didn't. As kids, we had no idea how political that show was. No, we just were watching it because it was funny, and they did funny things. Um, but yeah, obviously. Um, where you can see that I guess the like I said the satire or the irony but um it's yeah my 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 sense of humor it's it's not dark at all I do I do just like good old funny things but um yeah it, it if I do enjoy a good laugh yeah and I think yeah. where, like I said that I always find like sometimes you know the only way through some situations is to laugh about it, it. <laughs> yeah well well that's right like see the see the positive side see the bright side um yeah. people do accuse me or maybe suggest that I'm a little too glass half full <laughs> because yeah. you know because I have to see that there's always a positive in something like there's always so I will try to see the funny side see light of it and again people around me have got pretty good sense of humor so they will um they will just flip a situation and then kind of have you laughing and, and even a situation that they might be in which isn't that pleasant and they'll make a joke about it and just kind of be like you know what I just got to deal with it and I'm like okay yeah I I, I have to just deal with it as well and yep yeah oops 
They didn't quite work to plan, but oh well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nick, we'll know for next time. Yeah, exactly. Always a learning. So yeah. do you have a daily routine you can't miss, that you would never miss? <laughs> well, given that we've just gone into the three-day lockdown, I'm obviously I can not never miss it, but yeah. I do have my I, I have a, a routine that maybe lasts all day. <laughs> Um, it's not just a, a one thing or the other. I, I, I literally do. I love routine. Yeah. And I think that's years and years of competing where you have to be like clockwork. Like people would be, oh, we can set our clock by the meals that you eat because, you know, when you're a bodybuilder, you're so regimented because you're, you're eating for performance and, and everything. But obviously I have my F45 that I do in the morning yeah. um, and, then, and I have my, my weight training that I do after work. So that, I guess like my two exercise routine things that I do, you know, six days a week, I have a different routine, but I ha but I have what I call my um, transpositional routine. So when I you know when I'm over here, it's a certain way. So when I was in LA, the, like for the periods of time that I would be there, it would not be. I don't I don't have to stick to that routine. Like I would do F45 at one o'clock in the afternoon because I had a totally different routine. One try to fit in where I literally worked like an afternoon shift over there because that married up with Australia's day shift. So, you know, my everything was, you know, off offset somewhat, but I have, you know, certain ways that I like to eat and time, you know, number of times I like to eat per day. So those things kind of create the framework and then everything just hangs off of that. But I, but I'm very flexible at like, if I go to Melbourne for training course, then my routine adapts and I, and I put the F45 and the weight training and I put those things in, even if they're at different times of day. Obviously, they're at different locations, and that's you know pretty much how I run it. So, you yeah, know, and I think that's important, isn't it? Like, it's great like to have consistent. I, you know, I'm pretty routine orientated most of the time, but like, yeah, to be flexible enough that when you're in a different environment or circumstances change, that you can adapt. And yeah. you know, I always go like, I do what I what I can. Yeah, exactly. Like you tend to, um, you'll probably have more trouble if you if you're not flexible because you're going to go into that state of instability yeah. aren't you? where you're going to everything's going to be a drama but if you are able to just pick up and that's why having or knowing what things are important and that's where you know okay I have things broken down into certain way that I like to eat or certain things that I like to do and then I'll make sure that that's all building in there and 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 it, that in itself just makes everything feel way 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 more stable even if it's like a hundred percent different to what I would normally do like I have my routine if I have to go home and see mum and then I have my routine when I'm here and my routine when I'm there and um, I just yeah then you can just slip in and, and go with it like you just hit and the ground running and routines on and on and on it's not almost like stopping routines and they're just habits anyway yeah and 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 because of that then you know how to manipulate them and mold them to fit into whatever situation but but obviously fitness health um even my skin routine I I have routines for everything that's awesome I um you know it's, it's like I get a lot of clients when they go on holidays and stuff and go well what should I do or what's like my eating and I'm like well no not not like holiday yeah. <laughs> that's what you should be doing holiday and but I know like and I know for myself I go on holiday if there's a gym at the hotel I go and use it I generally eat reasonably healthy food because I like healthy food yeah so I feel good like, on it it's not like I go and have this complete and utter just ruin everything type of mode yeah uh, and even if I do like it's a you know a week or two weeks it doesn't even really matter 
Yeah, and then you slot straight back in. But those are the things too that when you're younger, you're a teenager, you're an you know young adult, you you tend to be able to do that. Your body will bounce back and and doesn't even kind of kind of skip a beat. But that is one thing. Obviously, as you do get older, you you realize that you can't stray as far for as long. Right. Otherwise, things do they kind of decline a lot quicker. Like that, I guess that's one of the things that I found. Body's not as tolerant. So you want to kind of stay somewhat connected to that routine, not a hundred percent, but connected because you can't, you can't go totally off of routine for three weeks, four weeks and think that you're not going to really struggle um, physically to come back. Oh, absolutely. That is the motivation to then comes into play. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess like on that, it's pretty much leads into this, like, how what what are your main things that maintain your mental and physical health and i mean like i'm asking you so like we know like it's funny isn't it because when i write that question i go like for you it's like part of who you are <laughs> yeah it's it's uh yeah it doesn't separate but yeah. but in, obviously but it does transition mm-hmm. and obviously when i was competing the like, the reason for training or the the method of training what i did or, you know, as I said, having that structure is part of my mental routine because I feel very much like whilst I'm flexible, I'm not going to, like, lose it if I go out of that routine, but it gives me a framework to kind of hang stuff on. So that in itself feels very, very comfortable. Um, but back then, you know, I would find that I could walk and do my weight training and everything would be great. And then I've realised that, you know, I have to do more high-intensity work to keep the metabolism going or to to have that impact and again part of that is because for so many years I always was on some kind of diet or you know suppressed calories high high activity so you know in the long term obviously that has had an impact on on my metabolism my, my metabolism should be up here for for my size and for what I do but it's not if I had a started training at 40 and been at a normal metabolism then I would you know, I wouldn't have to work as hard. So that's actually a bonus for anyone who's getting into it later in life. Yeah. It's darn sight easier than when you've done it all of your life because your body has adapted. Like your body is designed to adapt. Yeah. So that's the same thing for like, um, I often say like with um, runners and people like that, I said like, you know what? You haven't had the like impact on your body for, uh, you know, all that 40 years beforehand you're coming into yeah. it like fresh <laughs> you haven't worn your cartilage down nearly enough your birthday is still intact so yeah that 100 um but in terms of um you know maintaining the, the mental health as i said I, I feel like weight training is very much a form of meditation so i do because i actually tried meditation and i realized that i just i was just like man I, I like i don't feel like i need this and then when i um kind of got into it and looked at like what is what am I trying to do and able the ability to focus on something for all that period of time I have a really good concentration span because of having to focus and you know mentally lift the weight at times so I think that that escape get in the gym not talk to anyone and just do that is is very much keeps kind of like a mental yeah. you know very much mentally healthy connection with my you know with my people like the people who are closest to me even if I'm physically not able to see them like the connection is um like if it wasn't for elect- electronic devices I don't know what I'd do but it's um they like they're constantly with me if that makes sense like they're always we're always connected and that's important to know that I can kind of reach out 
Um, you know, the, it probably brought me closer with my family as well. Like having, again, we have a family group and get to see what all the nieces and nephews are doing. Oh, so no. that's actually been. I love that part of social media, like that connection, you know, with school friends, you know, who I might not have seen for 20 years. Then next minute you're all connected again. And it's lovely. It, yeah, and that's the beauty. Of, that's the beautiful part of it. So that's a big part of it is like staying connected. Um, uh, you know, we, you would have, you would know about the love languages and and Aaron Sansoni, our mentors. Um, yeah. I guess extra take on that and the addition of the the digital connection as being one of those languages. So it's very much, you know, happens that 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 connection works to keep me mentally sane. Um, but obviously physically and, and health wise, my nutrition is, you know, my number, my number one to the point where um, it's, again, it is such a part of me. I just feel good eating certain types of foods. Doesn't mean to say I don't eat bad foods, but 95% of the time I'm eating foods, which I know are going to have a, a greater benefit for, you know, my skin, my metabolic processes, my energy, just pretty much everything. So, I'm, but I'm always trying to um, adapt and learn because nutrition over the years has had this really, really bad habit of kind of going in all weird directions with, yeah. you know, this fad and that fad and then trying to figure out what's actual fact and then new research coming through. So, um, you know, keeping abreast of that and then actually trying things on myself has always been a big thing, you know, from you know when I first started my degree experimenting on myself and and I guess kind of saying does that work does is that what you know this is what's meant to happen do I have a benefit from that or you know is that like for an example you know talk about an apple being slow to hit to make your blood glucose rise but if you ever have a low sugar moment even an apple will bring you back like really really quickly so it's a it's that that kind of like what's what is this what does the science say but then what happens when I actually do it and is there a difference so I'm very big on on that and I think that's a huge point because there's I think that's the one downside maybe of like social media and connection is there's so much information out there well that's what I that's what I'm trying to I guess, break through and break down because one there's you know, I'll look for what is the science behind something? What it like, is there an argument on both sides here? But what it often breaks down to is you've got to look at what your outcome is or what you were trying to achieve. And a classic was yesterday, even in, in the, the middle age muscle movement group where one of the ladies said, look, you know, I'm using a Smith machine and people are kind of picking on me for using it and saying, it's not a real exercise. And I think one of the guys, he said, look, you know, the screwdriver or the hammer which is better it depends what job you're trying to do and that's exactly that the people who are like no we would never use one we're only ever going to use use a free weight is powerlifting and and functional because sorry the the purists or not not even just the purists it's the people who are like in powerlifting you don't get the luxury of using a smith machine you've got to do it on the bar so you getting your strength up on a smith machine isn't going to translate to you being able to compete and use and so so you've got to train for what you're doing and if yeah if you're trying to do functional work then you're worried about that I'm trying to grow muscle so I'm going to use whatever I can to grow muscle and Smith machine is a great way to grow muscle because you can focus on um you know pushing more weight than what you necessarily could because you're not bringing in other stabilizers so it's all of that thing of trying I'm trying to teach the people in the group is don't jump on it and only look at it from your point of view understand why someone's saying what they're saying but 
look at what you're trying to do and see how that applies to you. And that's the same thing with nutrition. There's so many different diets out there and, you know, there's probably not a lot that have survived today that aren't or don't have some valid type of science behind them or they are suitable for a specific type of person or done for a specific reason. So you can't attack that if you don't know what the person's reason and what they're trying to achieve is. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, there's a big thing in the running community, what are the best running shoes? And, like, it all depends on your foot yeah. and your legs, really. <laughs> exactly. Tilting in, out, in, flat, out. how long are your legs? How far are you running? How long, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I can see how, like, it, it, it is, um, I guess it's an analytical skill of being able to determine whether something has a, you know, factual basis. Is it su- suited to you? So, but always, I guess, when people go into something, they need to understand, like, what are they trying to achieve? Like, what are they trying to do? And then and then judge what that information is doing in relation to that, like, like really looking for those specifics, I guess. And, and that's the thing with your the middle-aged muscle, that's more specific for individuals isn't it yeah so, yeah as in the the um what the group is about well it's it's like muscle of course it people in it are coming from a whole bunch of different like yeah. powerlifting and bodybuilding and just fitness and a whole lot of different things but the one thing in common is that they all want to actually either have visible muscle or be strong or do some form of, of weight training so it's, it is a, it is a specific niche but within that there's all there's you know just it's like put it's kind of like saying just because you have a you know the sport involves a ball doesn't mean to say it's the same thing because you've obviously got like football soccer rugby it's the same kind of thing we all use the same equipment kind of but it's totally different sports yeah so which one of your life achievements and there's been a lot which one do you think means the most to you it's I don't know it's really hard to pick a most it's really I mean international protein just had its 20th birthday well this year essentially is 20 years oh wow so that one that's probably the biggest because it's the like literally the I mean obviously my my career my bodybuilding career has kind of spanned longer than that but this is the thing with international protein was the name international protein wasn't a mistake it wasn't an accident that it has international in it because we always wanted it to go international always wanted to have that connection it wasn't just australia and now we do we export um you know as you said india um hong kong and singapore cup some of our main ones vietnam we've gone into brazil so it it's um the fact that there's people all over the world eating the products that i developed and the you know the basis for those products is around my own nutritional theory so that you know and it's something like I've seen the whole protein industry develop and change and you know we've got formulations that were from 20 years ago are still very very relevant today because I don't I don't develop fads like I really develop something which I believe works um so that in itself is just because of yeah so just because of how it's grown it's still growing and um you know, when you have a 20-year lifespan, you know, one of the things that we realised a couple of years ago was that everyone, like our customers, had kind of aged with us. So yeah. our customer demography had kind of shifted upwards. But there's all these kids coming in below, you know, coming in young into sport and didn't know who we were. So we did 
changed a few things, upgraded the packaging. So we are also, you know, always reinventing ourselves. So say that again. So did you get on TikTok? No. Um, <laughs> funny that you say that because we were actually just talking about that in our last marketing meeting. Yes. <laughs> but, we, but we have a young, um, you know, late lady who looks after our social media and, uh, you know, she's way more in touch with what that age bracket likes to see. Um, and, and, you know, obviously our reps are, you know, probably in their, you know, sort of late 20s and, and you know, early 30s and stuff. So it's, a, it, it, it's just kind of... Um, just for something to have gone that long and still be um, oh, an amazing, amazing achievement. Um, yeah. So, so, so that definitely would be one of the, one of the biggest and, and, you know, we still have new products to come and, you know, I'm excited to, to think about what else can we develop and that, because my, I'm a, my passion is product development. You know, that's what I, you know, that's what I loved about my, my uni course more than anything was being able, able to actually take a product, bring it to life. Uh, we also have our other business where we, doing that for other people like basically we do contract manufacturing so someone comes to us with an idea and we turn that into their dream like that to me to be able to give people like the idea and, and then here okay here's a physical product wow. that is exactly what you dreamt imagined and then they go off and sell it and everything so I think you know I don't know the exact numbers but I would say that we probably have a very large proportion of a lot of the product that's sold in Australia is made by us and wow. you know, I walk into different shops and gyms, and I'm like, us, 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 us. I had a part in that. I had a part in that. Yeah, yeah so you like that whole ripple effect of improving people's lives. You know. Yeah, and and then and obviously the team that we've built. So the other business um, is much larger in terms of you know how many people we employ and, and that, and just to be able to see that team grow, to be able to have people have jobs with us and and you know buying houses and having kids and you know seeing them all grow and progress and everything is really that that is um you know a very very proud thing as well so it's kind of you know it's only 12 years old so it's a little bit younger than than international protein but um it's you know it's a it's a bigger entity because of the of the manufacturing side of it and what we have so yeah oh lots more see in this space i can just feel that yes <laughs> um, so what advice would you give to people who have a have a dream of doing something but they're they're just too scared to follow it they have to like start with baby steps like like I'm I'm actually not the person that's going to go and say just you know quit your job and and chase that dream I'm the person that's like lay that foundation get that set and then take the next step like that's as, as I said I'm, I'm fairly conservative with a lot of things and and with you know with international protein as again you know we had the product we were going I I stayed working for a lot of the time because I could you know do the things I needed to do outside of my normal job and I've said once we get to this particular turnover I can join the company like the company can afford me um, so I'm actually very much a like, let's get here and take the step. Same thing when we had our, you know, our first warehouse and we, and we started Prestige Blending, we had to have a certain volume so that we could support the manufacturing and support people that we could employ because we didn't have capital. And I, and I, you know, I wanted, we wanted to do it with our own money. So someone has a dream, start like you can start again as your side hustle, you know, you can. And again, the, this day and age, there's so many avenues. Like if you want to write a book, you don't have to wait for a publishing house to publish you. Right. It, it, yeah, music, art, anything. Like there's channels to um, 
to sell your product, even if it's physically at a market or online, like you have, you have the safety of being able to test it without having to go out later, rent a shop or, or, you know, or have a factory or get a whole lot of stuff done. Like you literally got to start with what's, you know, within your size and you sell what one product and you sell two products or, or write that one thing and, and get one person that likes it. And I think there's never been a better time than now to get out there and do it. Like if, if you're a, um, you know, a, a comedian or a singer or something, you can, you know, there's just the, the avenues to be able to get your work out there is so the, without. So many exactly, opportunities. Exactly. Yeah, so you're right. Like, you know, it's like very, very few success stories happen overnight. It, if, <laughs> if it appears like it was overnight, you just noticed it. Like they actually put in, yeah, goodness there's, knows. There's often years and years of work that goes yeah. into a type of success. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Just start with something and just keep chipping away. Yep. And, and, I, and I think the... Um, like yeah you you really have nothing to lose like if it, it they, because you don't have to put a lot of money into it um to to get something started like on, on a small kind of a scale you know to, to, like just yeah the access that we have these days is is absolutely incredible and the thing is you'll get very instant feedback like you know you see how quickly things can you know get around if someone likes something it will get you know it will get noticed yes oh yeah absolutely um so and I guess you sort of covered this a little bit when you were talking about your experience with bodybuilding but if something seems impossible or someone tells you it's impossible what's your thought pattern around tackling it yeah. it's absolutely to start with looking at what part is actually possible because when you look at something nothing is one singular thing like it's always either made up of lots of different parts or there's lots of facets to something so you look at the situation and go like what in this situation is actually possible like what what can I do and then tackle that one and then you'll find then reassess when you get to the next part but in in saying that you've got to also be very realistic about what is actually impossible like if I turn around today and go oh I'm going to become an NBA basketball player <laughs> then like there is no way I can make that possible <laughs> like there is like zero about that which is possible is that but I can but if I wanted to go and play basketball I'm sure I could find a community league or something yes. where they were really desperate for a player who was five foot three who can't play <laughs> I used to play basketball, five foot two, so it's all right. <laughs> I, I played when I was 14 and still five foot three, but I was really not any good at it. But, no, um, but, yeah, but, you know, but you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. if I really wanted to play basketball, I, can, I could go and find somewhere to play basketball, but it's where do you actually want to take it? And I think it's being the difference between people, you know, being dream killers and kind of, you know, telling you you can't do something when really they're actually looking out for you because, you know, you're going to go spend a lot of time and money. I um, I always think that, and I know it's sad, but, like, um, when people go on those talent shows and I'm like, oh, and it's, it's, it's the ones that get really disappointed, though, and I'm like, oh, I think someone might have wanted to tell you that before you went on national TV, but... <laughs> But, or maybe that was why they let you go on national TV because they were like, well, we can't tell you. So, 
someone else can. I think I think with stuff like that, like that's where I realize, like you realize like what real talent is oh. when you when because you you think oh yeah I'm kind of okay at this and then you see someone who's like really good at it and you're just like oh my god like that's a whole other level I didn't even fathom actually existed no and I think though too like for me like I look at those people who are naturally talented and I just go oh my god that's so amazingly wonderful you know, whereas we get a lot of people pulling them down. Oh, they're just born like that. Or they don't have to put in the work and they don't have to do that. And I go, well, who cares? Like, good luck to them. You but, know what I mean? If they're successful and they still, like I said, even if you're talented, you still have to work hard. Exactly. Um, but, you know, if someone's naturally beautiful or naturally talented or whatever, I go, like, half your luck. You know, yeah. make the most of it. <laughs> but 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 isn't isn't that the thing? Because I think you for majority of people, like you kind of are naturally drawn to the things that you will do well at. So like in those people pursuing that, it's like they they are still, yeah, like say working so damn hard to get there, even if they have the most beautiful voice, they still have to do the, you know, go through the politics. Because it's in everything. Um they they still have to to do the hours of practice I mean you did um the speaker event with me so they still got to look after their voice like they still have to do those yeah. exercises and and they still have that risk of, of that and and of yeah. course as we know like you know mental health doesn't you know discriminate so you know everyone's often got their own battles that they're fighting that we don't know about as well yeah but but absolutely like you know my two big things would be do a bit of a critical assessment as to how realistic is it if it's something where it's totally unrealistic then I guess you know look for what is the next best option next best option like what's what can you live with um and then but if it's something that you absolutely are you know you know and you're getting feedback from enough people that it's you know you would be good at it then and if it becomes a blockage then yeah you just find the way around it look for the as as you know my, my business partner would say you go go around the fence don't go over the fence or through the fence like we'll find the way around it even if you've got to walk you know a mile that way to, to get around that fence some at some point there'll be a break in the fence or a, you know end of a fence or a broke you know some some way of getting through and that and that's just having that um belief and the energy to keep going through pushing through because sometimes you're going to be like oh it's never going to happen and and again you know getting ready for competition at the, about the nine week out to until like nine weeks before the competition i'll have been dieting for maybe 11 or 12 weeks already and you just be like, oh man, like what's my life? Like I wake up, I, I train, I work, I train, I sleep. And you just be like, oh my God, like is this ever going anywhere? But of course, you know, I look back and if I hadn't have had a lot of the success that I had there, um, you know, would International Protein have been as successful and, and the opportunities that came out of that? So you always look at at any point where you might give up on something, you think, but what, and again, this is me talking about always looking to the future, we talked about stuff coming back to bite you, but the things that you regret that you didn't push through on, because it's only that little bit much more to go. And if you don't do it, then what does that, what does that stop you from doing in the future? Yeah, it's absolutely that sliding door effect, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So that, that's my, my big advice for people who if they think it's impossible, make it possible. Yeah. So talking about the future, what's your next exciting life adventure? Well, I, I guess it's middle-aged muscle. Yep. Um, like we, there's still a, a, 
you know, the, the growing the group and looking at what I can bring to the group. Obviously, I really want to start to do some some events. Obviously, we have the event on the 10th of July at your studio. So that'll be my, I guess, first official middle-aged muscle movement live nutrition talk on, you know, what should I eat? I'm middle-aged. So I'm super excited about that. But from there, obviously, we, we want to do you know, one day events, uh, bigger events and, and really go deeper on different things because, you know, nutrition and training, it's it's been a lifetime for me, like of doing this and I'm still learning. So I think that just kind of goes to show how much there is to learn that you can apply or, I, you know, I can apply and other people teach them how to apply it to have a, a better life. And even if it's a, you know, it's a small change, a small difference, if something that I can say, teach, do, show can have that impact. So that's the next. Now, obviously from that, you know, there can be so many things that I would love to do. Um, but obviously the focus right now is, is getting, the, you know, the educational side of it going and getting more people inspired and enthused and um, armed with information about how to how to be healthier, live healthier, um, you know, have a stronger mindset. And actually, just wanted to show you something yeah. that I have here, which I've got, which I haven't actually shown the group yet, but that's my Ooh. new, that's our logo. Excellent. Um, Iron-on transfer, and we have these ones as well too. So, oh, oh. put put them all over our clothes. But um, excellent. Yeah, but um, but middle-aged muscle is, you know, since I'm I'm there, I'm living it, and I, and I guess that is what I can learn as I go, what I discover, what I'm finding as I'm aging, um, what is actual age and what is just neglect and, and being able to, um, to promote being, you know, being more active and healthier and, and having a better quality of life into old age. Yeah, and I think, like I said, it's so important. I know for me, like, I just want to go into my old age being active still that that's what it is for me like just you know being able to go oh and you know and I see a lot of people now you know because of the people I hang around who are like out exercising in their 80s and you know and I go I want to be just like you and you know well, use well, it or lose it well well you, you know what I realized and what I thought I was thinking like okay I have to do a little bit more now because I'm at this age so by the time I'm 70 I'm probably going to have to do a lot more but it's like but what else do you do when you're like like yeah. when you retire and you don't have, you know, not, like, I've still got like an Iron Man, full Iron Man to do. And like, you know, well, I go the way my timetable is going work wise, I go, like, I'll, be, I'll probably be 60 before I have time to actually train, but that's okay. <laughs> but, but, it, but it's exactly that, isn't it? If, it? if it means that half of my day is made up maintaining my physical activity, yeah. I would rather do that than be sitting on the TV watching, sorry, sitting on the TV. On the sitting on the couch watching tv or yeah. doing crossword puzzles like I'd, i i want to be doing something physical so if it means being physical to stay physical then that actually really really suits me so totally yeah honest. well christine it's been absolutely lovely having you on tonight it, it has been wonderful again i'm really excited and honored that i was your first guest yes thank and, you um and thank you to everyone who's watched on the webinar or out in Facebook live time. Um, now, Christine, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you and discuss anything you've talked about tonight, um, where would they find you? The, the best place to find me if they are a Facebook person, then my, my Facebook page is Christine B. Enville. I have a profile, Christine Enville, but the B. Enville is the, I guess, the, the business profile. Or they could look up the Middle Age Muscle Movement and join the group if they're over 35. They certainly are welcome. 
And there I, I post a lot more content and a lot more tips and things than I do on my other page because that's more general. Um, so those are the two main places. Otherwise, my Instagram social media is Senville, that's C-E-N-V-A-L-L. Uh, and I, I, again, I do a lot of training stuff on the Senville, um, but I'm contactable on any of those places. It's probably the easiest easiest ways to reach out via social media. Yeah, cool. uh, but but very soon, very soon, um, we'll also have the christineenville.com website. It is like 30 seconds off being launched. So that'll, and that brings everything together. So it brings together links through to international protein to prestige blending, middle-aged muscle, uh, my super freak video, like everything that I've got going on is on that one website. So well, as soon yeah. as we get that, we'll, um, I'll put all the links to everything in the Facebook, even though I'm on the webinar now, in the Facebook under the comments. So everyone can, and same, and Christine will be at my studio, the Mind and Body Wellness Hub on the 10th of July, um, one o'clock. One o'clock, absolutely. I've got some fabulous workshop. slides I'm doing up and content yeah. and everything. So. so yeah, if you want to hear more about the nutrition side, um, yeah. yeah, definitely jump on in, come down and make sure to book because we will have restrictions on numbers due to this thing that starts with a C. I don't <laughs> use the C word anymore. <laughs> so Bring a new you. meaning to it. Yeah. All right, I'm going to cut us off here. Stop there. You want to stop, Cloudy?